Hey everyone, welcome to the Powerful Dev Show. I'm April Dunham and I'm so excited for today's episode because we have Power Platform MVP, Geetha Sivasalem. How are you doing today, Geetha? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, April. I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. So, uh, Geetha and I go way back. Um, I know a little bit about her background, how she's a co-first dev that got into the Power Platform, but why don't you tell everyone that's watching a little bit more about yourself and how you came into the Power Platform? Sure. Yeah, it is right that I do come from a code-first background. So I um, started off with .NET and then, you know, got introduced to WSS 3.0 back in the day. And then, you know, with how technology evolves, I got transitioned over to cloud integrations and Azure services. So today I'm an intelligent apps dev architect with Artist Consulting, a Microsoft partner based out of Dallas, Texas. And I primarily focus on power platform solutions um, and custom app dev integrations in the Azure services and Office 365. Uh, and my first um, foray into Power Platform was actually for a client at my current workplace, where we were wanting to throw a little POC with some custom connectors, and that's how I first got introduced, and then there's been no trading back since then. Awesome. Well, speaking of custom connectors, I hear that's part of what you're going to be talking about with us today. Um, so why don't you tell us, give a little bit of background on the Power Platform and how does integration with Azure and Teams and all of that work, and, and what do you have to show there? Yeah, sure. So, um, so this is a very holistic view of how Azure and Power Platform actually work well together. Um, so, you know, the Power Platform actually helps professional developers supercharge their app productivity and tackle like a growing set of work requests with efficiency and ease. And they can also focus on more of the complex capabilities that they would want to through high value, such as building um, using Azure services, APIM, Azure Functions, Kubernetes, Cognitive Services, the whole stack of services that you can consume from. And Azure is really the backbone for the entire platform. Everything you see within Power BI, our Power Apps, Power Automate, Power uh, Virtual Agents, that really is the foundational um, uh, surface for all of these services. And however, it's abstracted from your end user or from an admin standpoint, so there's not really control over how it's running there. But as a citizen dev, you are able to use Power Platform to create your custom line of business apps. Uh, you can solve your own business needs. And sometimes when you have to fill in gaps, you can kind of co-work or co-collaborate with your professional dev uh, to go above and beyond and integrate into those Azure app services. It kind of also helps alleviate some of those app debt on the professional devs in the organization. For, and fosters a really new kind of collaboration and uh, co-development model. And, and this uh, diagram that we see here kind of shows you like how every developer can actually at the very top layer can actually work with any of the tool sets that we have within the pod platform. And then uh, you have the pro devs that kind of work in the Visual Studio code or Visual Studio space where they are extending the capabilities and adding custom controls and customizations to what's available out of the box. And then that's how you're able to tap into the Azure services and your data services. And of course, you have DevOps to go through your full application lifecycle management. Yeah, I love that graphic there. It just kind of shows everything that you can do, you know, from low code to, you know, full stack code there with the Power Platform. And I love that you mentioned not many people realize that, you know, the Power Platform runs on Azure. So that's really cool. Yeah, uh, that's 
pretty exciting. And I think this is something that we're kind of familiar with, just how connectors work. You know, we have the user, our mobile and web uh, interfaces are our clients. And then, you know, we work with apps for the UIPs where you have the data capture and then where you want to perform all sorts of crude operations back to your data systems. And you have flows for any logic that you want to want to implement, any manipulation of data, and you could perform crude operations where flows too. But then your services and data are really the underlying um, services that you have, that's that's how you can either use Dataverse that's uh, native to the Power Platform, or you have these exposed built standard connectors for SharePoint, Office 365, and Twitter as an example, that you can use to tap into those data sources. And these are connectors. And then here's the next type of uh, integration that you have. What if you know a certain type of connector or data system or a service that you're trying to tap into is not available today then you want to be able to build a custom connector or maybe even have a uh, maybe it's an on-prem sql and then you can have a data gateway and you can tap into those services so this comes with the pricing tag right these, these custom connectors are um, things that you're coming up or working with to wrap those uh, services that are underlying and those endpoints that you know that are available and you're trying to expose these custom connectors as a way, as a proxy for your um, apps and flows to connect to and interact with the data behind the scenes. Now, there is a new twist to how all of this work, which is the um, integration within Teams. There's still the concept of custom connectors, but the biggest difference is you're not paying an additional price tag. Uh, as long as you have those endpoints or underlying Azure services or any of your data, external data sources um, are wrapped in and are passed through an APIM gateway. So you actually have a wrapper, which is the Azure um, APIM, which that you can uh, use to tap into one of those underlying services. And then you have your custom connectors um, that can be exposed to your apps and flows within the context of Teams. So this is kind of slightly different from how your standard and custom uh, connectors work. It's just that it's an APIM connector and it's free to use and you're able to extend and integrate with a variety of services uh, within the context of Teams for free as long as you have a, a valid Teams license to build apps and flows within the environments. Yeah, that, that's really powerful. And I think, you know, at, uh, at Build, they just announced, you know, just the uh, more capability to make it easier to take an API and put it into Azure API management just to make that story even more seamless. And that's super powerful to be able to do this inside of Teams and connect to APIM stuff and generate those connectors, not have to pay any additional licensing. That really opens the doors to build you know, even more scalable applications and unlock those data silos. This is really cool. Yeah, totally. And the APIM announcement has one of the has been one of my favorite announcements so far in the past year. We've had several announcements come out, but this has been like a really powerful, useful service that you could implement in your organizations. It's it, what APIM really is, is um, Azure API management. It's, it's a SaaS solution. It's software as a service. So it allows you to manage like thousands of APIs or backend services where you can control access. You can define how your subscriptions need to work, what those limits are, just all from within a few clicks. And what's even better is that this entire service is nearly maintenance free. It's a one-time setup, and then you know you're good to go, consume from it. And then you know, if, as you have um, products evolving or as you have your endpoints evolving, you can always go in and tweak those and um, use them. So this 
where you uh, have more time to focus on the actual code rather than you know trying to wrap and set, setting up those gateways and trying to see how you can manage those um, APIs. And this enables organizations to publish their APIs to you know external users or partners or internal developers. It, you, you can unlock a diverse set of data and services using APIM. And just to talk a little bit more about APIM, like just the core components of what APIM um, really needs are, um, you know, one is you have operations, because that's kind of like a building block for your APIs. You have your underlying endpoints, but then you have to have an operation that tells you or gives you a reference for what that what needs to be, not needs to happen when you make a call to your backend services. So each API, API will contain a reference to your backend service, and then you're able to implement the API and its operations map to the actual activity or action that needs to be implemented by that backend service. So you're able to have full control over how that URL mapping needs to look like, what that query needs to look like, what are the specific path parameters and request and response content. And, any, and you, know, you have several uh, additional advanced features that you could do, like you could limit rates, you could set up quotas, you could do a restriction over IPs. There's a lot more things that you can do with, uh, but this is kind of the next big thing, especially if you're wanting to use apps and flows within the context of Teams without having to pay a premium cost, but then you also want to be able to have that co-development model where you can have parallel development between your actual uh, professional developers and your um, low coders or citizen devs. Yeah, I mean, I can already see this really does unlock those what we call commonly those fusion development opportunities with you know building the people that know the you know the solution that they need in the business process really well and you know working alongside the the code first developers there so that you know you can focus on building the api and that data layer and helping to integrate that into the app so i hear that you might have some demos for us like to see how this all kind of comes yeah up. i think i wanted to just kind of quickly walk through like some of the use cases and you know Glad you brought up the Fusion Dev uh, model. That's something that I'm really passionate about. It. What Fusion Development really is, is a concept of combining the worlds of your citizen devs, pro devs, and all the parties that are instrumental in building and using these applications. It kind of gives you a way um, to have a distributed and multidisciplinary model where you can work in parallel with different skill sets. You know, a citizen dev can express like the actual business need uh, that they would want and they can quickly solve that by building an app. And then let's say they have a few gaps that they want to fill, which can't be done with their skill set, then they can work with the professional developer and fill in those gaps. And then you have your end users who provide your feedback. And this is more like a fusion team where you blend technology and domain domain expertise. And the, you there is a lot of value that organizations can see from it. And it's really critical to those organizations that are looking at gaining a lot of success and bringing value out of the digital transformation. So today I wanted to kind of quickly show you a, a demo around um, how you can build an APIM connector from scratch, um, you know, like a blank APIM. And let's say uh, you are a citizen dev or maybe even a pro dev who wants to proceed with implementation and testing of APIMs. And what if, uh, you know, your um, API facade has been designed, but then the actual backend implementation is actually going to come in later or it's just being developed in parallel. How can you mock up uh, those API responses and still work uh, with your apps and flow implementations? How can you expose uh, a mocked API via APIM as a connector and consume that within um, Power Apps or Flow? And this, Today's example, we're going to just be focusing on flow just to keep it simple and we'll see how we can connect to a custom connector. Awesome, can't wait. 
right, so this is my Azure portal. So for anyone who's uh, working with APIM for the first time, you would go to your APIM um, services blade. And if you don't have any, you probably uh, will see this is black. Now I have two APIM services. Um, and another thing you want to notice when you're actually creating an APIM service uh, for the first time, you want to give it some time. It's, you know, it, it sometimes takes about 45 minutes. The last time I ran on it took about more than an hour for the whole service to, you know, turn and, you know, actually be set up. Uh, so I would recommend that you just kick it off and forget about it and come back an hour later and it should be ready to go. Um, so I have one that we're going to use today. And uh, what I'm going to do is going to show you um, the different ways um, you can actually create an API. So you're able to either start from a, a blank API or you can start from a definition. So you could either use an open API definition, which primarily works with REST APIs. And then you could also do an XML form of your RESTful APIs, which would be a WADL or a WSTO, which would be a more of an XML representation of your SOAP APIs. And then you could also create your APIs from Logic Apps, App Services, or Function App. Um, so for now, what we're going to do is go look at some of our um, APIs that I've uh, built out in a bit here. So when you first want to create one, it's a simple form that shows up. You can provide a name. You can you know, specify what your URL suffix needs to be. And this is kind of the base URL that Azure already did all the work of hosting one for us. It already created one based on the APIM service. So I already have one. So we're going to go take a look at that. Um, so here, when you go, the very first thing you'll notice is that uh, are the operations. So my APIM service has one operation, which is the get operation. And what I'm going to do is let's assume that you are a citizen dev wanting to um, continue working through your app workflow, but you want to be able to use a custom connector and start working through a mock data. How would you define a mock response and how would you how would you configure that with an APIM so that the actual wiring up works as is? And then later on, when the actual backend API is available, you know, you, all you have to do is just tweak the endpoints and then you know, you'll be fine to go work with it. So let's go over here and look at how um, the section works. Um, so here I have my actual name. I have the, I'm specifying that it's a get, but that's just the type of operation for you to tell what um, the endpoint looks like and what you're going to be really getting and our response. Now, in this case, if you're going to keep it really simple, we're not doing any parameters. We're just going to mock a quick response. So what I'm actually doing is kind of telling this API service that anytime you see a call with this endpoint and a GET request has been sent, uh, you know, return back a response in JSON format. And here is my sample text. I'm just sending a mock text. And you know, we're just saying we made it. And I'm just going to, and you can also provide a schema definition if you want. Uh, the, one thing to note here is if, if you don't have a definition, it's going to kind of just spit out like raw JSON. Uh, but then if you want this properties, let's say you have a JSON with like multiple properties. In this case, uh, mock text is a specific property that this API uh, endpoint returns. If you want to be able to see that as a specific callout for the property that you can use within the flow, then you want to make sure that you have a definition um, specified. And then you know it's, it's it's a pretty quick way you can drop in a sample response text and it will generate it generate one for you or you can type it out yourself. Um, so that's just how you have the mock response um, defined. These are like these little sections over here are just how you would define um, certain rules around what you would want to do if you want to modify the request before it gets to the service, or what if you'd want to do if you want to modify the request as you know you get back a response and it's actually going out of the service. These are some areas where you can specify what policies you would want to um, define. Now in this case, I've specified a policy to um, indicate to the endpoint that this is you are supposed to be returning back a mocked response. So 
And let's go to the form based editor. So if you are not, if you want a much more intuitive UI, you can always come back to a form editor. And here is what we're saying because I already have a response defined for this 200 type, which is a success. So we're just indicating that, hey, this is the policy I'm going to be sending. So anytime you see a request, make sure that you respond back uh, with whatever we've defined as the markup. In the interest of time, I'm just going to show you quickly how you can um, export this. So when you go to the actual API and you export, you'll notice that you have a bunch of options here. And this very last one is the Power Apps and Power Automate um, options. This is what does all of that magic. Uh, you don't have to build uh, the definition for your custom connector. All of that's already done as part of your API setup. But uh, when you click when you click on this, this is going to show you all the different environments that you have that you can use. Now, I already have a Teams environment, so let's say you know my Teams environment is called Power Addicts, and uh, you can specify a name for it and then hit export. And at that point, Azure does the whole bulk load of the work for you, where it will wrap it up, it will define what those operations are and generate a custom connector in your Teams environment. So I've already done this, so we're going to just quickly go to our custom connector uh, on the flow portal and we'll see. So now I have my um, APIM, my blank APIM, which actually mocks responses already defined as a custom connector. And if I actually open that up, I had I didn't have to specify any of this. All of this already has been specified in APIM and it already knows how to wrap that up and expose that as a custom connection. You'll notice that it already pulled in the operation that we had and then, you know, it actually has all of my endpoints defined and then it also has a, um, a response um, code for it. And then you can also test it. Now within the portal as well, you do have an option to test it. Another thing you want to note is when you first use a custom connector within your flow, uh, especially when it's um, exposed via an APIM, you would, or any other API uh, endpoints, you would have to define a connection in the sense you'd have to provide a, a key. So in this case, we're using an API key. So the, within the portal, you notice that you have a section that gives you a couple of subscription keys. So this is the security, uh, how security is wired up. This is how you tell Flow that this is the specific API service that we're going to be using, and we're going to be using this key uh, to integrate with that service. So this, you kind of have these keys, and you can go view and use one of the primary or uh, secondary keys. So let's go to one of our um, APIs here, um, the connectors that we have exposed and we're going to use it. So I have a simple flow. It's just a manual trigger. Um, I am able to pull in one of my custom connectors. Now, if you look at this, there is not much of a definition here because it's uh, it's not really taking any parameters. All it's doing is just going to do a get call and return back that mock text. And then uh, as you can see here, you know, you have the actual property. Different. I can either get the whole body or I can get that specified specific property because we have the definition um, specified in the API uh, service. So I'm going to quickly run a test here, and uh, we'll see what it returns back. So it should actually return back the mock response that we uh, provided. So let's give it a second. It should show up. And now this kind of tells you uh, that the output was, this is exactly what we defined, because every time you make a call, we wanted it to bring back, um, we wanted to return back a 200 result with the mock text, and you can actually look at um, what that uh, response code looks like as well. That's the status code, here are all our headers, and that's our body with the mock text that we present. So it's as simple as uh, you don't have to be a professional developer for this, so you don't have to come from a code-based background. You're still able to work in collaboration with uh, you know, the pro codes or code-based um, focus teams and continue work in parallel by marking up responses while work is happening uh, in conjunction for the underlying service. 
But that's awesome. I love, first of all, that you showed how to use the custom connector inside of Power Automate, because like most often when we show these demos about using it, yeah. it's usually always Power Apps. So I love that you use that in Power Automate because we sometimes, I guess, from a demo perspective, we can forget. We can also use these in Power Automate and <laughs> to do too. Yeah, but that's a good point you bring up though. I mean, you're not limited to using this just within uh, uh, within Power Automate. You're able to use the same connector within Power Apps embedded within Teams and continue to you know, uh, consume the data. Yeah, and I just love how easy that was. I mean, you literally just had to press a button. You didn't have to go into the create custom connector screen like you would traditionally and fill out all the, you know, yep. the stuff and the actions and all of that. It was just literally click a button and then start using it. So that's just pretty cool. Yeah, it really does make it very easy and very intuitive if you want to just start working off of, uh, you know, using APIM as a service and just wrap all those endpoints and just continue to uh, work on your actual um, solution for the uh, problem that you're trying to solve. Um, so I, I really love uh, working with APIM. It's, it's, uh, it makes it so much easier to work in a more a co-development model, like just working with other teams and huge teams, especially there are several organizations that, that are going the API first route where they have their legacy systems or services that are that they've already invested in or even cloud investments that they already have and they expose this whole API layer and then you have uh, all these, um, you know, every type of developer can be a citizen dev or a code first dev. You can, you know, literally go in and just could start consuming those APIs with this easy route. Yeah, I mean, that's it's really amazing. Like I said, unlocking those data silos, being able to even integrate with legacy applications by hosting it on there is pretty cool. So this has been really great. Uh, I love that you showed the use, you know, how simple it is to, to build APIs and APIM and host those connectors and use those within Power Automate and all the Power Platform for that matter, and especially how it's free and Dataverse for Teams. So uh, do you have anything you want to share, like any resources or anything for everyone watching? The example that we looked at was just starting from blank, from scratch, where you don't have any API definitions. You're just simply marking what the response needs to be. And then later on, once you have the underlying endpoint, you can tweak the service to start looking at that endpoint. Uh, but then you can also use open API specs. So either your uh, pro dev team can provide you an open API spec, or if you have the endpoint and you're able to pull in the response, then there are a couple of tools like Swagger Hub and Swagger IO that, that actually allow you to generate or to create the open API specs. So you just have to go through those, um, those tools and it makes it a lot more easier. You're able to look at the definition of those, uh, def uh, the spec by itself, and then you can also test your endpoints and it generates the open API spec and you can just download it and import it into APIM. And then now you're all set to continue uh, consuming from uh, this custom connector that's exposed via APIM. Well, this has been really great. Hopefully everyone watching this shows you what is possible with Azure API management and the Power Platform. Thank you so much again, Geetha, for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited and uh, thanks for the opportunity to share. Absolutely, okay. Well, stay tuned for the next episode of Powerful Devs. We'll see you next time. See ya, bye.